Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. All right, so this morning our theme is talking about embracing the Holy Spirit, or more warmly embracing the Holy Spirit. And when you think about embrace, there are some people that you have no reservations at all about hugging, embracing. And maybe some of you aren't huggers at all. We have several friends that you kind of want to hug because they don't like it, uh, which is probably like bad on some level, but you just kind of feel like you should. But uh, then there's other people that you're like, mm, I'll put, make sure there's a piece of furniture between me and that person at all times so that that embrace cannot happen. And maybe they, you know, don't use deodorant or whatever. And, and you just like, or yeah, I've, I've had all kinds of encounters over the years, um, especially when we're like third world stuff and, and uh, you know, people are just super kind and affectionate. And then when you leave, you start itching and then you kind of pull down and you realize you got a handful of, of lice or whatever it is. And it's like that hug was a little too close, you know, and then you rebuke yourself for being unkind. And, you know, it's just a terrible circle. But, um, you know, maybe you have some family members, some that you, your welcoming posture to them is a little more stiff armed and, you know, formal. But then there's like, say, grandma, you know, and odds are your grandma's pretty good. I mean, she might, might be a, a serial killer, but probably not. And so, you know, the, your posture and receiving and welcoming her is much more, you, you have no guards up, say, for grandma. You know, you see her coming and it's just like, oh, your heart melts and it's grandma. And, you know, and she's, you know, s- smells like blackberry cobbler and, you know, and, and you just you know, maybe some little old lady perfume too, and a little Buick. And you just, you know, you just want to hug her and, and you get sucked into the vortex. And, you know, most grandmas are covered with like two inches of memory foam and you just kind of, you know, I mean, there's just something warm and consoling about it. And, and, um, you know, so we have different postures in receiving and responding and the same way we have different postures in receiving and welcoming the Holy Spirit. Some perhaps you have, you know, no basis uh, other than, you know, just maybe uh, some church terminology or something about the Holy Spirit. Others, maybe you come from a Christian background where you've been taught against the Holy Spirit. You can't trust him and you can't, you know, look out. He's going to do something. Weird. And perhaps others, you've had a very positive encounter with the Holy Spirit and, and interactions with him. So your guard is down. Uh, today, I pray that each one of us would be able to take a step of greater openness and to more warmly embrace the Holy Spirit. We're not looking for everybody to, you know, go all the way to the end zone on this, but just to take some steps of greater openness towards him, which I think we all could take. And, and where we're, our jumping off point biblically from this is today is from the Last Supper discourse where Jesus is teaching um, the disciples that they really need to learn how to embrace and how to trust the Holy Spirit. The reason why this is so critical is because Jesus at the Last Supper discourse realizes he has only a matter of hours with them before he's arrested, 
before his illegal night trial, threefold trial, and then um, his crucifixion, and then resurrection, and then just a few cameo appearances over that 40 days before he ascends to heaven. He realizes his, he was walked with them and talked with them and spent all this time with them over a period of, of three years and perhaps small change. And now all of a sudden, his immediate presence with them, as in his physical body, is going to leave. He's going to ascend to heaven. And he, he's trying to download to them stuff. Like maybe someone's house sat for you, you know, or dog sat for you, right? And, uh, and they, you're, you're trying to, you know, on the way out, you go, oh, don't forget. Maybe you're going on vacation. Don't forget garbage night is Tuesday. And don't forget to put the dog out. And don't forget to euthanize the cat. And don't forget to take care of this, you know. And you're giving them all these different things. And, uh, and this is kind of what Jesus is doing here. He's on his way out. And he's trying to emphasize to them what they need to know and do. And I want to invite you, if you would, would you stand up with me real quick in honor of the reading of God's word? And I want to invite you to read out loud, big and bold with me, a few selections from this Last Supper discourse that Jesus had with the disciples about the Holy Spirit's ministry. And I want you to pay attention to some of the themes that are there. We'll we'll highlight them in just a moment. So we begin in John 14. We read just a verse out of chapter 15 and then a few of the crux verses out of chapter 16. You ready to read the word of God with me? I promise you'll be the best thing you've heard all day long. And even if the preaching stinks or is mediocre, that's actually common. But this will stick in your heart and be the most important thing. Let's read together what Jesus said. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Father, thank you so much for your word. And I pray, Lord, today that you would help each one of us, Lord, to lower our guard and welcome and give place to your Holy Spirit in our ministry to learn how to trust him more so that we can truly experience all that you have for us. Help us today, Lord, as as we press in. And I pray that every person in this room would leave with 
more trust and a more warm embrace of your spirit's ministry. And Lord, trying to follow your pathway and, and example of ministry, I welcome Lord today in conjunction with the teaching ministry that your healing ministry would also be at work, just like you did things when you were on the earth. I welcome the healing presence of Jesus just to flood this house right now. God, I just pray there'd just be extra grace, extra strength. Perhaps there are, are some that are, are struggling with like long-term COVID uh, uh, effects after the fact, and uh, others are struggling with autoimmune issues and all sorts of stuff. Lord, I just pray your healing grace would come and minister and Lord, would you even perform healings today, just kind of download just through your word going forth that would literally change the way people live again and, and restore, and I thank you, God, restore hope in anyone's heart who's discouraged. We just welcome you, Jesus. Have your way. Have your way. Amen. 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 You can be seated if you like. So when we think about the Holy Spirit's ministry and we hear what Jesus taught the disciples, the emphasis that he's given them, he's trying to kind of, uh, you know, debug and, and, and take away fears and misunderstandings. And you actually hear him vouching for the Holy Spirit. Uh, you actually hear him impassionately. You hear some of his concern and, and uh, for them to really embrace the Holy Spirit's ministry in, in a stronger and, uh, and closer way. How much more if Jesus himself needed the Holy Spirit, Luke 4, and he impassioned the disciples to need and rely upon the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit at work in our lives? And whether or not you recognize there's any place in your life for the Holy Spirit, he's been at work in you even before you were saved. A lot of people misunderstand the Holy Spirit and think that he's like super duper OCD about dirt and that, you know... Like if you happen to sing the wrong song in a worship service, the dove flies out of the window and it's like 30 years of like wooing and apology and groveling before he finally, you know, he smears some holy peanut butter on your finger and, and the dove flies back in the window, you know. A lot of people misunderstand. They think like the moment you sin, the Holy Spirit splits. But actually the Bible teaches us, and we'll see in the scripture, that the Holy Spirit has his waiters on. And he's going through the sewer of human, human brokenness and, and uh, human sin. And he's trying to help us to see Jesus, to rescue us. A very, very different Holy Spirit than often is, is thought about. He's there really to help us. He has our best interests at heart. And he's here to continue the ministry of Jesus. And I want to show you five truths this morning that will help each one of us, I believe, more warmly embrace the Holy Spirit. You ready? Okay, here we go. Number one, the Holy Spirit is divine. Now, when we say the word divine, that kind of sounds like kind of old-fashioned-y, archaic, whatever. And probably the way you, you know, if you use the word divine, it has to do with like some gourmet food, you know, the... McNuggets were divine, you know, it has, you know, for those of you that are kind of highbrow. And so, uh, although I heard Ronald McDonald, they put him to sleep this past week. Did you see it? It's on the news. So, wow, well, he's gone. I was really crushed when Hamburglar went on to be with the Lord and now McDonald's gone too. Yikes. But, um, it's like my whole childhood's gone now. Uh, but, um, it's, it's one of those things when you think about divine, that word typically is used in like more of a metaphorical way, but really what it means, it means of or about or proceeding from God. And in this way, we are saying the Holy Spirit is God. 
Now, the Holy Spirit defined, and I try to say this in almost every session in our conferences because this issue always arises up. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God's personal spirit. And those seven words of definition clear up a lot of questions. He's not an archangel on a power trip, you know. Uh, he's God's personal spirit, the spirit of God. And in fact, you will see in our text a lot of Trinitarian, a lot of Godhead language there. But in the Bible, there are 16 different names for the Holy Spirit. And what you'll see uh, on the one side, the scripture reference is just the first time that label is used about the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's multiple times. Sometimes it's the only time that label is used. But check them out. So, And each of these biblical names for the Holy Spirit reveal that the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. So you have the Spirit of God. That's the second verse of the Bible, right? How many know the Holy Spirit starts Genesis 1-2 and ends in the last second to last verse of the Bible when he's there with the bride? repeating and saying agreement come lord jesus he's he bookends the scriptures the spirit of god the spirit of the lord the good spirit the holy spirit my spirit god says the lord's spirit the spirit of truth we read that a moment ago uh, the spirit of jesus um, the life-giving spirit god's spirit the one and only spirit his holy spirit the spirit of his son his spirit uh, the spirit who makes you holy and then the sevenfold or complete spirit. Um, not saying that he is like, you know, multiple personalities, but he's, he is complete and whole in every way. And that's kind of what that sevenfold business means. And so you see some of these labels and titles. Nowhere in the Bible is the Holy Spirit ever referred to, referred to as, you know, like a patch or a band-aid or, you know, someone, well, you know, you can't really trust him very well. But a lot of people, they go, well, when it comes to understanding God, um, we say, well, you know, God is one being. We know that. We don't worship three gods. We worship one, right? How many of you are monotheists? You worship one God. It makes things a lot easier, doesn't it? It's pretty streamlined. And that's the most important fact of the composition of God that we understand. But the second, the subordinate fact is that even though God is one being, he's always revealed himself eternally through the three distinct persons of the Trinity or Godhead within the one being of God. So it's kind of confusing because it's, you know, God's supernatural and he's high and lofty and, you know, we can't even figure our own identities out, let alone his. But, um, but it's one of those things where we understand this is really clear from scripture and even particularly in our text today. So when we speak of the Holy Spirit, we're not speaking of someone else outside of the being of God. We're speaking of God himself at work. And that's really important. Some people say, well, I trust the Father. After all, he's got a throne and apparently a beard, you know. And then I trust Jesus because my grandparents have a picture of him in their dining room, you know. And then, uh, you know, I, but the Holy Spirit, I mean, what, what in the world? I mean, I've heard of what he does to people. You know, if you lower your guard too much, man, he'll, he'll do something crazy and beam you up to the mothership and nobody will ever see you again, you know, and like some God abduction or something or, or, you know, something he'll make you do some run around the church in your underwear screaming the end is near or something like that, you know, and, you know, a lot of people have misunderstandings, but when we understand and trust who the Holy Spirit is, it really changes our willingness and our desire to interact with him. The Holy Spirit is divine. Look at the next one, please. Not only the Holy Spirit is, is he divine, but he's trustworthy. And this is one of the themes that runs through this entire Last Supper discourse. 
In fact, Jesus is vouching for the Holy Spirit. Maybe you felt it as we were reading it. He's like, if you trust me, trust my Holy Spirit. So there are a few things that are going on timeline-wise here. This, the ministry of Jesus happens in the feathered edges of the Old and New Covenant. Not just the Old New Testament books, but the closing of the Old Covenant and the beginning of the New. And I don't know about you, I'm glad we live in the New and Better Covenant, right? And so, and only three of you are, but trust me, if you read about it, it's, it, it works out for our benefit. So, Jesus has not yet, he's done his ministry and, and, but he has not yet died on the cross and risen again from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is what differentiates any other crucifixion victim in history other than Jesus, right? Lots of good people have been crucified. You read the Roman persecution and it's, it's terrible. But the difference of Jesus is that he not only died a criminal's crucifixion death, but he rose again from the dead by the power of the spirit, proclaiming, as Paul said, that he is indeed the son of God. So, you know, it's cool that we have crosses on our church wall, but maybe we need to have a little empty tomb beside it to put it into context, you know, um, it, because it's not just the cross, it's the tomb, the empty tomb together with that. The resurrection of Jesus is what completed that work. Well, when, when we're reading this Last Supper discourse, he hadn't done those things yet. So the, the role of the Spirit in that way was still kind of an Old Testament kind of a way where the Holy Spirit was outside of them. And when you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament is all demonstrating to us the barriers that God puts up because of our sin. God is holy and we're not, so there's barriers there. And you read of all the Old Testament protocol and you read about all the, you know, you can't do this and don't do this and look out for this and, and make this cloth out of this and don't do, you know. All these protocols are there to demonstrate to us that we cannot, by our own human effort, ever get into a place where God will accept us just by ourselves. How many of you know sin is not a natural problem, it's a spiritual problem. And spiritual problems can only be resolved by spiritual solutions. That's why we need a supernatural savior. But the good news is that's who Jesus is, right? And so the Old Testament demonstrates the Holy Spirit is outside. There's all those barriers and protocol walls. We spoke about that a little bit on uh, looking at the tabernacle and temple briefly on, on Friday night. And, and so then Jesus comes, and after his resurrection, the Holy Spirit would come to live inside of Christians. Did you know that if you're a Christian, from the moment of your salvation, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? For real. You know, we talk about having Jesus in our heart, you know. How many have Jesus in your heart? How many have Jesus in your spleen? How about your gizzard and other vital organs, right? Okay. But the real, that's mentioned one time in the Bible metaphorically, speaking of our affections and whatever. But really the, the truest sense of God in living inside of us is the Holy Spirit lives inside of our entire being, our body, our carcass. 1 Corinthians 3.16 and, and 6.19. He lives inside of us. And so... Jesus is trying to help them to understand. Now, he's in this time period, and so he goes, look, the Holy Spirit's with you now, because we're still under this old covenant time zone, but soon he'll live inside of you, and he's going to pick up where I left off. The baton is being passed from Jesus being physically present in one body, one human body, walking with them, laying hands on the sick, and doing all the stuff that he does. When he gets taken to heaven, now he's going to have the Holy Spirit live inside every one of them and continue his ministry. So Jesus says, he, the Spirit, will teach you everything, right? Everything. 
and will remind you of what? Everything I, Jesus, have told you. He's trustworthy. He knows everything. We, we talked on Friday night about the Holy Spirit knowing the mind of God, 1 Corinthians 2. Um, and then he says, Jesus says, I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. Now, this is uh, the New American Standard, which is an excellent translation. Uh, the Bible hyper-literal, you know, probably among the, probably the most literal English translation. Um, but so literal that sometimes it's clunky and difficult to read. Um, I was raised in the, in the 70s. I'm a child of the 70s, a church like Painesville Assembly. I was raised in Harrisburg First Assembly of God in Pennsylvania. And so I, all of, in that era, really the only, you know, real reliable English translation we had was the King James, which is a, a great and, and authentic and, and accurate version, but it just kind of has um, old-fashioned-y kind of language about it, you know, a way of, a way of uh, translating it. And so you're probably familiar with the word comforter here instead of advocate. Now, when in modern English you think of comforter, what's outside of church, what's the first thing you think of when you think of a comforter? Like a fluffy bedspread, right? And that's not what this is. There's not that he brings comfort to us. That's, that's not this, what this word is. The word advocate here, which is probably in English translations, this is probably the clearest for the, the Greek word to the English and what it means for us today because words kind of shift over time. Um, it's the word paraclete or parakletos. You're familiar with that? You've heard that before? So you, have, you break that down. The prefix para means alongside or like parallel lines. Okay, and then the root word kaleo to to call or summon, to request or even a call for help. Sometimes it's translated as the idea is someone who is summoned or called to stand alongside and help, but not stand alongside and help as in you know hey come cl clean my sewer for me you know or whatever. Not some job perceived as too lowly for me to do, or not that that's lowly. If you've got a clogged sewer, that's like the most important, that person that's doing that's the most important person on the earth, right, at that moment. Um, but the idea of not like, I, you know, I'm too busy to do this menial task. It's I'm too helpless to navigate this, and I need someone wiser, stronger, more, uh, uh, more adverse, uh, versed in these issues to come and help me. I need a mentor. I need an advocate. Uh, it's like your Mr. Miyagi, right? To come and give you help and wisdom. You're looking upward to someone that is smarter, wiser, stronger than you saying, come and help me. I need wisdom. It's the person you call for advice, that kind of an idea. So, so you have here, here in the Greek, he says, I will send you the advocate. Later on, he says, I will send you another advocate just like me. And the another there in the Greek is alos, another of the same identical kind. In other words, if you trust me, I am sending someone just like me to continue my ministry. Alos Parakletos, another one just like me, advocate. So if you believe Jesus is your advocate, your helper in those ways, now the Holy Spirit is picking up that role to continue onward. And then he says, he is the spirit of what? Truth. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit is continuing that. He's trustworthy. You never have to worry about his motives. He's not, he's not the spirit of error. He's not the spirit of lies. He's not the spirit of weirdness. 
But for some reason, as, as human beings, and particularly as Christian humans, uh, if you're both of those, um, we have a way of going, well, you know, I've seen what the Holy Spirit does to people. You know, he kind of mugs them at the altar. And then, you know, you have that on Pentecost Sunday, you have that funky chicken line dance thing going on. And, you know, and I, boy, I don't know. I, I'm going to skip that Sunday. I'm going to go to the lake that Sunday because, you know. But the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. How many are sitting by a weirdo today, right? Okay, even if you're sitting by yourself. People can get weird, but we have to learn how to kind of sort things out. Good stuff comes from the Holy Spirit, and any weird expression comes from the human encountering the Holy Spirit. You know, so we just have to learn how to kind of sort things out rather than shutting down to the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, trust him, it's the overriding theme that's running through this scripture. Then number three, please, the Holy Spirit is not only divine and trustworthy, He's recognizable. We kind of touched on this a little bit this weekend already. Um, Jesus says he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. That's who the advocate is. The world cannot receive him, the lost, because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. We talked about lost people don't have the equipment of the Spirit to recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now because they're still technically under the Old Testament time zone. But he later will be in you after they put their faith in the resurrected Christ and the Spirit would come to live inside of them. You know him. You recognize him. Like, how many of you sense the Holy Spirit's presence during the awesome worship today? Man, hasn't the worship been just exceptionally sweet and wonderful? SEU, Ohio students, thank you. You guys are amazing. We really, really appreciate Really do. It's just leading us to the Lord, just so fresh, so fresh. And so, but when you sense the Holy Spirit's presence today during worship, did you go, wait a minute, who is this? What am I feeling? Who are you? Did you demand a, a, a blood test from the Holy Spirit to, or DNA or 23andMe to go, hey, who is this? Can I see your identification, please? Can I see your badge, you know? No, you knew who the Holy Spirit was when you sensed his presence Without reservation, you knew, I sense God. Why? Because God, the Holy Spirit, has lived inside of you since you were saved. So there's a resonance that takes place in those moments. A lot of people think that there won't be a resonance from the Holy Spirit, so they're afraid. But they're already encountering it. They just don't identify what they're sensing and feeling. You, If you're a Christian, you have the you are wired to recognize the Holy Spirit. His presence is recognizable to us. You're not going to have the dangerous signal. You're going to have the warm and grandma Tempur-Pedic embrace signal going on in your life, right? Okay. Like a, a, another way of looking at this, over the years, we've been at some really unfortunate church, church potluck dinners, you know. And maybe yours are good. I don't know. Actually, your food's been good that they've been serving. But um, for, the, for the team, I sneaked in and, and grabbed some of it. It was pretty good. But, uh, like, we've been at some churches where they've literally had to call an ambulance for to pump people's stomachs. That's when you know, like, the kind of the rule of thumb in the church potluck dinner is if you've made potato salad, don't leave it in the back window of your Dodge Dart all during church on summer and then bring it in, you know, kind of a thing. But, you know, you kind of have to operate in discerning of spirits as you're going down those tables. You're like, oh, boy. And, and sometimes it's great because you see the name of the person on there, and you're like, oh, yeah, those, those are those, oh, those, those people that they don't even wash their bodies. I'm sure they don't wash their utensils, so I'm probably not going to be eating that, you know. And, and I don't know if they, that crock pot's been high enough to boil off the, you know, the germs, you know. And Oh, and, and if you see the name, and like some people's names, like, 
I'm no disrespect towards Italian people, but if, if there's a, like a casserole or a crock pot that's got the person's name on it, and they're Italian, their name is like Sal Manila, you know, you don't want to be eating that. You don't want to be eating that, you know, you need to kind of operate that. But you, you recognize right away, oh, that's good, that's bad. Well, it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. He resonates inside of us. You can trust him. You know him. Take a deep breath. You're going to, you have the equipment to understand his work. Then number four, please. The Spirit's work is revelatory. Now, this is huge, and a lot of people feel like this one is, like, too open-ended or whatever. We're not talking about, like, he's going to help you write new books of the Bible. That's done. The Bible is our final standard, our rule of faith and conduct, and we judge everything else by the Word of God. And there's, you know, there's no, if someone would stand up and prophesy, and they would say something contrary to the Word of God, your good leaders would stand up and say, Hey, we appreciate people trying to be used of the Lord, but something that was said there went against the word of God, and we just want to know, we want to declare that part we do not accept because that was contradicting the word of God. How many are glad for good leaders? So we value the word of God. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Holy Spirit leading and helping and speaking to us. Look what Jesus says. You can hear the passion in his voice. He says, there's so much more I want to tell you. You need to know so much more. You only know half of the recipe or you only know half of the directions or not, maybe not even half. You can feel the urgency because the stopwatch has clicked and he only has a matter of hours with them going from the garden or from the last supper to the garden and prayer and then his arrest. But then you almost hear the sigh of relief in his voice. So much more you, I want to tell you, and you can't bear it now. You can't handle the truth, right? But when the spirit of truth comes, Here's with a sigh. Ah, oh, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to pick up where I left off. He is going to lead you into all what? Truth. And then he goes on to explain how this works. He will not speak on his own or on his own initiative, but he will tell you what is yet to come. He will speak only, the next verse says, it's not on the screen, he will speak only what I speak to him to say. In fact, you could biblically and theologically accurately say that whenever you hear the Holy Spirit speak, you're actually just hearing the Holy Spirit repeat to you what Jesus is saying to you. He's the telephone line. He's the communication. And he is speaking what Jesus wants us to know. And this is really, really important. Um, he is revelatory. So if you take in John 14 and then the end of 15 and 16, the Last Supper discourse on the Spirit in the beginning of 15 is the vine and branches segment. But you take that, that chunk... Every verb that Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit is revelatory. Teach, lead, guide, direct, reveal, speak, make known. It's all about him speaking, revealing things to us, helping us. You think about the guidance of the Spirit there. You think about all these ways. And I don't know about you. We live in such blurry days. I mean, everything's so weird and... and uh, you know, and, and maybe on some levels it's good because it's easy to live a casual, passive, cultural, Christian-only life when you kind of feel like you're living in a Christianese environment. But man, when the world is weaponized against the body of Christ, it makes you have to really stand up and know what you believe. And, you know, I remember back when I was a, a teenager, it's a strange story, but back when I was a teenager, I was doing a lot of, uh, did some traveling in, in Eastern Europe. It's still Iron Country then because I'm really, or Iron Curtain, I'm really old. And I was preaching in Poland. And I remember before one of the services, um, uh, the missionaries and pastors getting around and praying in a circle and, and the local pastors praying for us 
that we would have the joy of the galvanizing persecution that they enjoy being in a communist country. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I really want that prayer to come to pass, you know. It's like, you ever pray a prayer you're not so sure that you want it to come to pass? Like back when that Jabez prayer was really big, I prayed that Lord enlarge my territory. I woke up the next morning 50 pounds heavier. I was like, that's not what I meant, Lord. No, that's not true, not true. Um, but, um, but this idea of the Holy Spirit revealing things and giving clarity and helping us you know, maybe some of you right now, you're in a state, your world is spinning around you and things are very, very confusing. The Holy Spirit is there to bring the clarity. Like if maybe you've looked into a, a muddy pond, you know, and it's, uh, it's just the sediments all stirred up and it's all, you know, silty and, and dark. But if, that's, if, if it won't be troubled for a while, gravity will slowly allow, if, if there's not too much troubling and movement in the water, the sediment will fall. And after a while, it will become clear when all that sediment goes to the bottom. The same way the Holy Spirit has a clarifying effect in our thinking and our understanding and our spiritual life. And maybe a great prayer is, Holy Spirit, speak to me so I can know what you want me to know and do what you want me to do. Reveal, repeat the things that Jesus has for me. That was a good spot to say amen. Okay, look at the, no, it's too late. Please don't patronize me. Okay, so then the next one. Finally, the Holy Spirit is Jesus-focused. And honestly, this is what it all boils down to. The Holy Spirit doesn't have his own agenda. He only has the agenda of Jesus. And listen to how Jesus couches this. And again, this is loaded with Trinitarian Godhead language, as, as John tends to do. But he says, he, the Spirit, will bring me, Jesus, glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine, Jesus says. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. And that one verse you learn more about who God is and how he works and how he communicates to us than any other single verse in the Bible. Um, the Holy Spirit is the postman of the Trinity. He's the one that delivers the letters from Jesus to us. And, and, uh, and, and there's nothing hidden. Uh, uh, he wants to reveal. He wants to make known nothing hidden of the nature of God to the Holy Spirit. He wants to reveal to us. He wants to help us. And everything's Jesus-focused. And even if you're a person, you, maybe you're raised in a Christian environment where they taught you to be suspicious and cautious and afraid of the Holy Spirit... Uh, even if you don't recognize him, he's already been at work. He was the one that convinced you of your sin when you were lost. He had the waiters on, you know. And then when you got saved, the, Jesus caused the Holy Spirit to come live in your heart to help the character and, and empowering the Spirit take place in your life. And the, the Holy Spirit is there to speak to you, lead you, guide you, direct you so that you can fulfill the mission of Jesus in your life. Then he pours the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life to supernaturally en enhance that mission of Jesus. In your I mean, everything the Holy Spirit does is Jesus-focused. It can't get any more safe than that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's uh, leading happens and his, his Jesus-empowered, Jesus-focused mission calls us outside of our comfort zone. You ever found that be the case? We began this year uh, on the Cherokee Reservation outside of Muskogee, Oklahoma, and, um, and had services similar to this, you know, a couple, couple days. And the final session, we did a healing service like we'll do tonight, although it was different teaching and stuff. But... At the end of that healing service, we had a, uh, after the teaching, we had a season of prayer, and then we had some testimonies. There were some 
great testimonies that night. There was a guy uh, that was born blind in one eye. He was later on in life now, uh, late 50s, early 60s, something like that. And now all of a sudden that eye that had been totally dark, but it, you know, what a coincidence after some people prayed it opened up. Wow. What good timing, you know? And, and, but great, like really good testimonies, not the, like sometimes I've been in church pastor and the testimonies have been, well, you know, I just want to give the Lord the glory. I came in here really stuffy, but you know, I received prayer. Well, and I took a Sudafed before church, but now I can breathe. And either way, I give the Lord the glory. And it's like, you know, that testimony kind of rubs the anointing right off the service. But um, it's, it's not like that. It was like really big testimonies. Well, so from the time after teaching to the healing prayer time and all through the testimonies, I began to struggle with a little bit of revelation from the Holy Spirit. Probably to classify it, probably be the word of knowledge gift was taking place, which I don't profess to have any gifts, but how many know God can send them to us as he wills at different occasions for his glory and we never hold on to them really. The ones that end up with the gifting are the ones that walk away benefiting from it, you know? We're just kind of the, the server in the restaurant on that one. But um, it, it, I was really wrestling with it because this little bit of revelation um, I didn't understand what it meant. It was just one word and I had no context on it at all. So I was like, oh, what in the world, you know? And so the whole time while people are praying for healing, I'm personally wrestling with the silently inside. God, what do you want? Lord, tell me, can you give me a little bit more so I can, but really what's happening is my brain is saying, I'm not comfortable acting on this very vague, very limited nugget of revelation from the Lord. Um, so I'm not going to do it until I feel comfortable with it, which is kind of a f weird premise anyway for the supernatural because that's not how it works. But I was really struggling with it. So I'm like, Lord, can I have a little bit more? Can you give me a little more information? Pat, can I buy a vowel? You know, I'm just like a little bit more, a little bit more. Well, it, there was, there was nothing. So all through the prayer time lasted maybe 10, 15 minutes of prayer time. And then when the testimony started, I'm down there moderating it, holding the microphone for these 15 or so people given the testimony and the whole time while they're talking I'm trying to listen but I'm really wrestling with this because I'm feeling this urgency that I'm supposed to just say this one word out loud in the microphone and I just it doesn't make any sense to me it's not even like a complete thought finally it comes down to the last person they share their testimony and I step and say to platform hey thanks you thanks everybody you know pastor would you come and it's been great to be with you and I realize as he's walking forward from way over on that end I realize I've got like 15 seconds to obey the Lord on this and so I finally go as he's walking I'm like hey how many of you would cut me a little slack and they're like you know, yeah, whatever, as long as we can go home. Uh, and so, you know, I, you know, I've, I've been wrestling with the Lord and I'm supposed to say something. And, you know, my intellect is telling me, no, it doesn't make sense. But inside I've been praying about it and to the best of my ability spiritually, I believe it's the Lord, but how many would forgive me if I make a mistake? You know, you'd understand. I'm just trying to hear from God. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. And by now pastor's halfway and I go, okay, here, I'm supposed to say this. I believe. <clears throat> yellow and that was their response like a couple nervous chuckles and then just like crickets right and by that point the pastor's right on the stage and I hand him the mic and he goes okay well whatever that was praise God all right well we'll see you all next week you know and and people people begin to dismiss and he looks at me and he goes hey I know that feeling of trying to obey the Lord but man that one was whatever I go yeah I'm sorry pastor I'll pray more you know I'm you know, let me know if there's any damages, you know, whatever. And, and we're kind of chuckling about it and we're talking and God had been good and people were coming up and, and giving some more testimonies and stuff. Well, as the building cleared out, he and I walked down the aisle towards the back to go into the foyer. 
And right as we hit the doors, a lady had been in there. We didn't see her. She was in the back and she had been kind of like down on her knees. They had theater seats and she kind of appeared out of nowhere and she said, hey, can I talk to you guys? And we're like, yeah, sure. By that time, we had stepped through the doors and were in the lobby and she said, um, well, first of all, I want to apologize. Uh, my daughter was so disruptive during service and such a distraction. And I'm like, I didn't notice. I didn't, didn't see it all. She said, well, my my daughter, Micaiah, um, she's special needs and she's very high on the autism spectrum. And matter of fact, she's, she's verbal, like she can vocalize and make sounds, but she has no language, no spoken language. And she said, there's very few things that console her and stimulate her. And she said, we brought her tonight to the service to, um, uh, you know, have her receive healing prayer. And then when she said that, she kind of got silent and kind of choked up. And um, she said, but she, she really had a rough night. And she said, actually, before the teaching was done, my husband looked at me. It was she and her daughter and then her husband. And, and then on the other side of, of the mom was, was the grandma. And she said, my husband looked at me. She said, honey, sh this is unfair. She's like making all this noise and she's throwing stuff. And just, you know, it's just not a, a good environment for her. And she's not happy, you know. And, and the husband said, honey, you know, we believe God can minister anywhere. Let me just take Micaiah home. And we'll watch online and we'll pray for her there. You, you and your mom intercede for her here. And we believe there's no distance in prayer and, you know, whatever. And she goes, yeah, you're, you know, you're right. I know you're right. Go take her. And so he did. Well, after he left right away, pretty much we started the healing prayer time. And she said, I began to get real grouchy towards the Lord. She said, I put my arm on the theater seat in front of me. Nobody was sitting there. And I, I put my forehead on my forearm and I just began to sulk and just began to brew in this. And she said, I decided just to be really honest with the Lord. Because how many know he knows what you're thinking anyway? It's not going to hurt to vocalize it. Probably better. And uh, she said, seriously, Jesus, you couldn't have given Micaiah just... 10 minutes of peace so she could have stayed here to receive healing prayer and then as the healing prayer goes on then we move into testimonies and she's just back there just silent just brewing and in, in frustration you know not even specific frustration towards god some of it was just frustration and you know those things can boil bubble up inside and She's like, as the testimony happens and we get to the, some of the people going, I was just healed of this and I was healed of this. She said it really hit her hard. And she goes, she goes, I really kind of got mean in my prayer. And I'm like, Jesus, seriously, do you even care about Micaiah? Do you even care about her? People up there, they're being healed of like, you know, they breathe better, but my, my daughter can't even speak language. You know, and she's just contrasting all that and just brewing in this pain. And by the time the final person was wrapping up their testimony, she said, I said to God, do you even love her? Do you even know her name? God, do you even know what her favorite color is? And all of a sudden over the PA system, yellow. I don't know about you, but I don't have timing like that, nor wisdom, you know. And through tears, she opened up her purse and her purse was filled with little plastic yellow trinkety toys, like out of a gumball machine kind of size. And she goes, for whatever reason, yellow is the only consistent positive stimulus that, that stimulates Micaiah. She said, like tonight, she said it didn't work very good tonight though, because she was throwing them everywhere. That's why I was down among the seats, fishing out, because all those things are very, very important. Take them home, wash them, and use them again the next time, you know. And 
and I don't know the outcome because I haven't heard the end of the story of, of what's happening with Micaiah, but let me just take a quick side note. Would you remember to pray for her for total healing? And then even bigger than that, because God likes to supersize every order, would you, if God reminds you, would you agree with me? I've been praying since January for a massive breakthrough in healing of praying for children with learning disabilities and autism. Wouldn't that be an amazing gift? That, and not just in our ministry, I'm talking about in all the churches that pray for the sick. Can you imagine if God would send special favor in that? What a testimony, what a grace, what a, oh, let it be, Lord Jesus. She reached in her purse and she pulled out a little yellow teddy bear and she dropped it in my hand, the little plasticky one. She said, remember to pray for Micaiah. This, this, maybe this yellow thing will remind you of that. I gave it to the pastor. I was tempted to keep it, but I was like, you're the shepherd here. You, you know, he's, he sent me a picture of it on his, on his desk praying for her. But what would it take for us to just trust the Holy Spirit a little bit more and open up to him a little bit more? Maybe somebody told you one time, go fly a kite. Anybody ever told you that? Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and tell them, go fly a kite. Just tell them, it's, it'll, you'll feel better. What's that have to do with anything? Well, flying a kite is kind of one of the best metaphors for opening up in new ways to the Holy Spirit. Because you and I have a role in that. I mean, that, you know, when you fly a kite, you got to, well, first of all, you got to unknot the string and that doesn't have anything to do with the metaphor, but, but then you got to run, you got to put some action to it and press in a little bit. And, and once you get some altitude and the wind catches the kite, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 feet up or something like that, depending on where you're at, then the rest is up to your level of comfortability, how much string you choose to let out. Some people are afraid that they're going to run out of string and they're going to lose the kite. Others are afraid that they're going to, Augustus is going to take them off to Jupiter or something like that. But, but really, it's all up to how comfortable you are. And I want to ask you, in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand up in just a second. And I'm going to ask that nobody would, would leave yet if you just hold steady because I'm going to give an invitation for people to find Christ real fast. But I want to ask you, would you kind of metaphorically, would you fly your Holy Spirit kite just a little higher and let out a little more string. Welcome him to come and lead and guide and help you in the most critical needs that you're facing and the most confusing circumstances you're in, the places where you need the wisdom of Christ and his help. The Holy Spirit is the delivery system of the voice and wisdom of Christ to us. And so would you stand up with me real quick? Stand up to your feet, take a stretch. All right. And I want to ask you if you just reach towards the Lord in some way. If you already know Jesus as Savior, would you take the next 60 seconds and would you just privately pray for a fresh cleansing from sin? I don't know about you, but I'm a real crud magnet and I just need my Savior to cleanse me every single day. How about you, right? So if you already know Jesus, would you do that? I'm, while I'm inviting others that have never accepted Christ to accept Christ, all right? So maybe you're present here in this service, in this building, or maybe you're present online and you have never yet surrendered your life to Jesus. I shared earlier that spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. That's why we need a supernatural savior. And the good news is he already came. He already paid the price. He's just waiting for you and I to do something that on one hand is actually very simple. Just humble ourselves and confess our sin or our need for him. And on the other side is very, very difficult because humbling ourselves is something very difficult for we proud humans, right? But he's waiting for you and I to call on him. I can't save you. I can't 
uh, do the load that you need to do. You have to call upon him. And today, if you say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm far from God and I want to know him. I want to, I want to accept Jesus as my savior. You can pray with me right now. And it's not like magic words. You don't have to specifically get every word right. In fact, you could cry out to God on your own and, and it would be just enough. He would, he would respond to you. But sometimes people feel so uncomfortable. They want some words to say. And you could follow this prayer even right now. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your one and only Son and that no one else can save me from my sin but Jesus alone. And Lord, I have sinned. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against others. I've even sinned against myself. And I am incapable of fixing that. But you can. Savior, would you save me? Would you wash me clean? Would you give me a brand new start in life? Would you let your Holy Spirit come live inside of me right now to confirm that I really belong to you? I no longer belong to myself. I no longer belong to the enemy, but I belong to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.